This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another preview episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. Joining me from the Wednesday Till I Die pod, James, how are you? Aaron, I'm fine, thank you very much. Thanks for thanks for having me. Fresh from a 1-0 defeat uh, to Watford. Um, obviously, you, yourselves, you've had uh, an incredibly bad start to life in the Championship. Obviously, just getting, getting right into this one. Um, it's not been the best season for yourself so far. Uh, all the celebration and good feeling from the promotion has already disappeared and you find yourselves bottom of the table. What's gone wrong? Aaron, how long have we got, mate? Because I could talk for absolutely hours on all the things that have gone wrong this season. I think to kind of sum it up in a in a bit of a nutshell, um, Darren Moore split opinion. I'm not going to come in here and say that he didn't. Uh, there were some people that wanted him, some people that didn't. I think after what happened, and I'm not going into great deal t- detail into what did, because I'm sure everyone is fully aware of uh, the, the playoff heroics that, that happened. I think everyone after that thought that, you know what, give him a season. Um, at the end of the season, we can work out whether he's the man for the job. And if he's not, you know, and if we finish, I think most people would have thought he would probably get a mid-table finish this, this season. You know, if if... Chancellor would have at that point said, "Look, we're parting, going our separate ways, and we brought in a new manager." I think it would that would be absolutely perfectly fine, and everyone would have would have agreed on on that one. Um, that he didn't even get that. Uh, obviously, something happened behind the scenes. You can listen to either side of the story. It's out in the public. It shouldn't have been, but it is. Um, and and yeah, Darren Moore left and. That was just a bit of a worry, really. We were two weeks late anyway because of the um, because of the playoffs. Um, then they went on a two-week holiday and then he decides to get rid of the manager. So we're already on massively on the back foot. We bring Cisco Munoz in. To be fair, most of the candidates or certainly the names that have been flouted around didn't really inspire many people. Um, I think you, have, you always look at the positives of any manager. And I think you, know, you look, looked at the fact that 
Cisco had, had been promoted out of this league, you think, well, all right, he's done it before. You know, he ticks that box of knows the league uh, and things like that. Had success in this league before, and I think he looked around and thought, you know what, he's probably he's probably all right. We were wrong, massively wrong, and I could see the the alarm bells are ringing in pre season. I got shot down numerous times for, by people saying pre season doesn't matter, and I know it doesn't. However, when you're not scoring any goals, when you're not creating any chances, when you're playing really poor football. And then, of course, bringing in players, taking an absolute age to do that as well. I think we went to the pre-season training camp and half of it was you, uh, the, the youth team. Um, we brought in some players. We brought Ashley Fletcher in. It was just Cisco's mate. He's not a footballer. He's awful. It, it, it was just been an absolute car crash from start to finish. And the, the highs that we had after the playoffs, I mean, I've never felt so low in such a short space of time. May it was the playoffs. We're now we're not, we're not even at Halloween yet. However, obviously I'm sure we'll come on to it. A little bit of positivity has come back in, but when we're 12 games into a season, we've not won a game. We've got three draws, five consecutive games without a goal. It's not looking great at all, and it's uh, it's crazy to be even sat in this situation. I didn't think that we'd be in. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of worked out pretty well for yourself as a content creator, I suppose, right? There's always highs and lows to, to uh, you know, there's, there's no you know going here, is there? We we have as many points as um, club statements so far this season. Yeah. That, and we're 12 games into the season. That, that is how crazy it is. You know, Chancery, you must have read him. If you haven't, you know, grab a cup of tea and, you know, you'll need it because it's a lengthy, lengthy document. You know, and, you know, it's it's just crazy that it, we can go from where we were and then one person can just literally rip it all up and just, I, I, yeah, I just kind of lost the words, really. <laughs> it's crazy. Is it true that it, there's like there's no official board with yourselves? It's it's literally just Chancery, isn't it? So he can sort of put out what he wants when he wants, right? Yeah, it's just Chancery, and that is it. Um, the, the, quite a few years ago, he got asked on what the level of hierarchy is at the club, and he was he was kind of naming the the head chef in that kind of hierarchy, and then it was him. Mm-hmm. There was like nobody else above him. So um, yeah, we we did have a, a, a chief operating officer. Liam Dooley, he's left. He left last week. So um, there is a bit of a common denominator with all these people that kind of that leave. Um, and he just hasn't brought people in in footballing positions. A lot of people are crying out for, you know, either a CEO or a, a director of football or people like that that can actually you know, have a track record of, of running football clubs. And in the last two seasons in League One, admittedly, he'd kind of took a step back but it seemed from the outside looking in it, it certainly felt that way and lo and behold you know we started to do well I know we're obviously in league one and not in the championship it feels very much like we've got back into the championship it's a bit like a toy you know he's got a new toy now that toy's he's put some batteries back in it and it started working again and he wants to get involved and he should really just not like it, re- it would be much better if he just didn't get involved and like I said appoint people that can They've got a track record of actually making good footballing decisions. Yeah, especially for a man who seems um, like he wants a return on that investment as well. You feel like you would just leave it to people that knew what they were doing and trusting them to get that, you know, that money back when he eventually sells and sells the ground, um, etc. But let's not let's not be too negative um, all night. Obviously, um, Danny Rill, Roll, Rill, 
You've you've just real. Danny Real, yes. Yeah, you've just told me how to say it on your preview pod, and I still can't remember. Uh, obviously, the new man at the helm. It, it feels like he's already managed to galvanise the fan base already. Is that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people won't know a great deal about him, and you know, there's no shame in that because we didn't know anything about him at all when he uh, when he came in. He was. Uh, his background is kind of well. He was the assistant manager at RB Salzburg. Um, then he was also he he went to Southampton uh, with Hassan Hootel, who was the manager at Salzburg, uh, and he you know he joined them. Sorry, Salzburg RB Leipzig. I do I do apologise. One of those Red Bull clubs. There's, there's loads of them. They're basically the same. Yeah, thing. exactly. You know, one yeah. of them Red Bull clubs, right? <laughs> RB Leipzig. Sorry, uh, and and then um, then he went to Bayern Munich. Got the opportunity to to work work over back in Germany which of course naturally you're going to take uh, and then he got the, the the chance to um to follow Hansi Flick to to the German national side so he could have stayed with Nagelsmann uh, at Bayern Munich but he wanted to you know he wanted to to work for the German national side I mean who who isn't going to do that he's got a background in kind of video analysis as well when he was at Leipzig that's what he first started doing he's only 33 years old I'm 33 as well um, luckily, he's just a couple of months older than me, so I can't say that the manager is younger than me just just yet. Um, yeah, um, but it, it was a footballer, but he got an injury very early on. So he's, he's been doing this for 10, 11, 12 years, I think it is now. So he, even though he's kind of young and inexperienced in a managerial role, he's certainly, you know, he, he has done it in the past and, and things. So, no, it's, it's really exciting. He's saying all the right things. We've only played one game, of course. He's only, you know, he got appointed uh, just last Friday. So he's only been in post, you know, as we're talking on Sunday night, about, what, 10, 10 days, I think it is. Mm. I mean, first first and foremost, he was on holiday when he got the, the news that we wanted him to to, to be the manager. And, he, he, you know, as soon as that kind of phone call came, he, he cut his holiday short and, um, you know, and, and, and came home. He's watched all of the games so far this season now. I mean, I'm not being funny, they have been absolutely dire. I wouldn't even watch. To be fair, I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. Watching those eleven games, uh, you know, previous eleven games, it would must have been such a hard watch. But he looked very thorough. Like I said, he's saying all the right things. He's got his own philosophy that says non-negotiable, but he will allow players to kind of express themselves. And and I felt like that didn't happen in the Cisco. So yeah, the the air of positivity was, was so much so that. That Jack, who I do the podcast with, on the way down to Watford, you know, got caught up in all the emotion, and he put twenty quid on um, on Wednesday to finish in the playoffs. Needless to say, after full time, he said he probably thought that was a bit of a waste of money. But you know, that that is that's what happens, isn't it? You know, sack a manager, bring a new one in, and, and all of a sudden you have that air of optimism. Yeah, I thought you were going to say back to him on your acker, which I also did. Um, so thanks for letting me down there, but. Uh, I just thought you might have got something from Watford, but wasn't to be. And and you can take it from me that appointing a an assistant manager works pretty well um, if given the time and the you know the right backing. Which you know I'm sure we'll we'll soon see if Chancery uh, does actually put his hand back in his pocket uh, at some point. Obviously, the the feelings changed. He's galvanised the fan base. What's the what's it like on the pitch tactically? I know you have a very small sample size. Yeah, obviously just the one game against Watford, but instantly it was much, much better. Under Cisco, we were very much kind of soak up all the pressure, relinquish all possession um, quite often. I mean, we had 20% possession against Southampton in the opening day of the season. Now we kind of put that down to, you know, 
it's a Premier League opposition. They had like James Ward Prowse, who that was his only game in the Championship, may I add, um, much as the, the transfer window. And we're just kind of putting down to, to that. After that game, we saw no, it wasn't just Southampton. That is just how we play. And it was really boring. It was really just unimaginative and, and just, it was only one way that it was going really. You know, there were people that just didn't want to go to the games. Like, but now, you know, in that one game, I know it is only a, a small sample size, but it did look like we were much more on the front foot. All right, we still didn't have as much possession as what, what Watford did, but I think that's mainly down to the fact that we made some subs at, you know, with about 20 minutes to go. And, and after that point, we, we kind of just, I don't want to say we sat back, but maybe we were tired. Um, Danny Rills come out and said that he's, he's worked them hard in this like, opening week of training to try and, you know, get the most out of them. And obviously, that just means that they, you are going to, would be a little bit tired, which is a bit of a shame, but I, thought, I suppose it's come to be expected. And and yeah, it was. You know, I thought I, I didn't think we deserved to to lose that game. I think a, an ill nil draw would have probably been, you know, uh, a fair result or even a score draw if we'd have managed to hit the back of the net. That is, but but no, it's it's looking it's looking good and it's encouraging. Um, I think his team selection was, you know, we excuse the pun, but rolled their eyes a little bit <laughs> at, uh, at at that one with. You know, with, with the players that he picked, you know, Bambo Diaby is not really shone with, uh, you know, in, in shining colours or anything like that. And same with Akin for me, where we put him at left back, and he's not really a left back either. But you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's he's only just come in and uh, he's only his first game. Yeah, I suppose he also has a very small pool of players to galvanise into what he wants. Right, like come January, he might get a, a bit of a his own stamp on things. I believe it's Chris Powell that's been brought in to, to guide him and there's been talk of, is it Miroslav Closer that's joining him? Yeah, uh, Chris Powell has come in. Miroslav Closer was just a Twitter room. He actually oh, right. squashed that one um, at the weekend, which would have been some appointment, to be fair. But, you know, Chris Powell, I mean, you look, you've got the German national um, side you know, assistant manager and then you've got the English uh, England assistant manager that's, that's coming as well. So... And when you look at that, I mean, look, Chris Powell's also been around the block quite a bit as well. He's, you know, did quite well at Charlton and and places like that. He, he's the he was the Tottenham uh, head of uh, head of youth recruitment, I think it was as well. So already you look at the the, the teams that the, the the backroom staff has worked with, and the the teams that they can you know drag experience from, or indeed players, of course, it certainly bodes really well. The only problem is. We're 12 games in. There's another, I think, 12 or 13 games until the end of the year. And, if, of course, the January transfer window. If we're carrying on in the, in the form that we've got at the moment, it could be some January transfer window that we need to, to actually keep us up. But, you know, the, the appointments that have been made, I mean, let's just remember as well that a week before he sacked Cisco, Chancery said in his last statement that he put out that he's not putting any more money into the club. And then if we then go in and appoint, you know, Danny Rill. Chris Powell, uh, two other backroom staff as well, which I don't know about you, but that sounds like you're putting money into the club. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have some contact book come January, aren't you, if if you utilise those. Uh, a few loans from the likes of Bayern and Tottenham wouldn't, wouldn't be too bad, would they? Um, bolster that squad. Talking of individuals, is Josh Windass back for this one? Yeah, Josh Windass played on uh, on Saturday. Not great, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, he's someone that's he's such a frustrating footballer because he could be so much better than what he actually is. Injuries have kind of blighted him, to be fair. He picked up 
an injury so far this season. He's not at the back of the net, but that's no slight on him because you know very few players have at the back of the net. We've only scored five goals so far this season, which is an absolute awful number. Um, mm. But no, Josh Windass is, uh, like I said, he's he's one of those that he can score something out of nothing uh, when he when he gets a chance. Can be a bit, you know, a bit temperamental at times, and of course, you guys will know him from that uh, that that uh, little shoulder barge, let's say, uh, on your goalkeeper that, that we did. But uh, but no, he's a he's a fantastic player and just someone that just needs to. I feel like once he gets a few goals, he'll he'll get a boatload, but he just hasn't got those few goals just just quite yet. Yeah, according to um, transfer marked. This is how much research I've done. Your most valuable player is John Buckley. Is he likely to feature? Is he, is he any good? Yeah, he's, we've got him on uh, on loan from Blackburn. Um, bit of a strange one, really. Their their manager kind of spoke out after we'd signed him on transfer deadline day, literally on the you know on the nose of um, is it eleven o'clock? I think it is when transfer yeah. deadline day finishes. Whenever it finishes, it was literally just a minute before that we announced him. You know, his his, his picture when we'd signed him was in the dark. Um, it was it was literally that late. He was supposed to go to Swansea on a permanent move, but he chose to come on loan to to us. I don't know whether that's down to us or whether that was down to the fact that um, well, yeah, he didn't want to go to Swansea or uh, or he probably thinks he's got a future at Blackburn. But no, he's is he. He's a good player. He's not really kicked on so far, but again, under Cisco, nobody was ever going to kick on. Um, it's, it's it's a tricky one. He's uh, he's good on the ball. Uh, if you watch his highlights reel on YouTube, which of course you always do when you sign a player, you'll see that he's uh, he can score a goal from from range. Like I said, he's not done that as of yet, but um, he looks like one of those that's quite accomplished on the ball. Difficult to get the ball off him. He gets fouled a lot, a hell of a lot. I think he must have been fouled five or six times uh, against Watford at the weekend. So, uh, so yeah, he's. Um, I, I liken him to them that annoying footballer that when you're at school, there was always that one guy that was really good that you just literally couldn't get the ball off him. If he feels feels like that, he just needs to give us a little bit more of an end product. Uh, I think. Yeah, it would also be a miss of me to not talk about former Argyle legend uh, Cameron Dawson, who I think got played once for us. He's he's been in and out so in and out of the side. Um, how, how has he got on in his time with you? Because obviously, it's, it's always seemed like you've had two very equal goalkeepers in the whole time he's been there, right? Yeah, um, it's a tricky one with with Cameron Dawson because he was he was fantastic um, like, like like last season in and out. I mean, he was he was fantastic. Can I can I mention Exeter on this uh, on yeah, this podcast? Why not? Why not? It might get <laughs> well, bleep, but. <laughs> Well, obviously, he did great there when he was on loan. You know, the, the season prior to, to to the last one, um, you know, got promoted with them and won their Player of the Season, which for a goalkeeper is obviously fantastic. And yeah, it's a it's a strange one because he's been there for such a long time. Obviously, he's a Wednesday boy, you know, a boyhood Wednesday eye. And I don't know the goal against Watford. He probably could have done a lot better. To be fair, he, he goes down like a sack of spuds and. He should really be getting to it. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him. I don't know, but we have got the other goalkeeper. We've got is Devis Vasquez, which is on loan from AC Milan. Don't get too excited because he hasn't played for AC Milan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, much as the, the the depth of the squad that, that that they have, but for me, he's a, he's a far better Championship goalkeeper. I think um, Cameron Dawson, his he, level is probably League One when you look at in terms of 
passing out from the back and and things like that. He, he's he's more Davis Vasquez is more suited to that. But but no, after when you said when you said legend, um, I thought he was gonna. Uh, I thought he was going to mention. Oh, his name's his name's gone from from my mind now. Oh, the one that I mentioned on the uh, Steve Stephen McLean. McLean. I thought yeah. he was going to mention Steve McLean there for a second. Uh, I, mean, there. I think if I mentioned Steve McLean on ours and um, used the word legend, I think we would lose an awful lot of subscribers. You know, we have had legends such as uh, Graham Coughlin, uh, Yo, oh, what a, what a guy, uh, Reader Johnson, Kaelin Lavery, um, Steve Adams, Hansi Alajoffrey, yeah, Steve McCall. There's been a few. We've shared a few very good players. What a guy Rita Johnson is. He he blue he bleeds blue and white. That guy, Graham mm-hmm. Coughlin as well. Uh, often see him. Uh, he still lives in in Sheffield. Uh, he yeah, often see him in in one of the pubs near near Hillsborough. So he's. I think he was involved in the in the coaching staff at Wednesday for for quite some time. But no, what a uh, what a guy. He's a manager now. Is he managing? Um, I want to say. I don't I know what team but, yeah, I think it is. I think it is Newport that he's, uh, that he's managing, but yeah. still lives in Sheffield. But like, what a trek that is, by the way. But no, um, yes, yeah, so there's been some fantastic players that have played for, for both sides. And let's not forget Paul Sturrock, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, we've forgotten on yours, and then now I've forgotten him here. Uh, absolute legend at uh, both clubs, obviously. Very good promotion winner. Um, although some will argue his second promotion with us was actually a. Uh, not his because he'd already gone to uh, Southampton, but we won't get into those <laughs> little tittle tattle debates. Uh, absolutely amazing bloke. I'm sure he'll be there on Wednesday if he can. Um, um, illness prevailing. Um, yeah. Anyway, on to the game itself then. Uh, Wednesday. I, I don't know if you're coming down um, from Sheffield. It's, it's a bit of a bit of a trek. How, how do you see this one going? Yeah, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not travelling down, unfortunately. To be fair, I struggle to get to most away games just with a with a young family and whatnot. But I think there's quite a few people that are saying, like, you know, this is the one game that I'm, you know, most people that are gonna that go to most away games, they're probably gonna be missing this one out for for obvious reasons. I mean, yeah. look, we've we the AFL have returned the favour and we, they've put the return fixture also midweek as well. So uh, that's nice of them to to do that. Although I'm saying that. Most of your away trips, yeah, are far along anyway. So that is the problem, right? Is that like we we can complain at Sky as much as we like about putting us on, you know, early games and whatever, or the EFL for putting uh, midweek games in in random, uh, you know, random places around the country. But you know, our closest game is Bristol, so we can't really complain. It's sort of uh, a byproduct of where we are. But yeah, yeah. No, in terms of the game on on Wednesday night, I think it's going to be fairly interesting in terms of you know um Danny Real would, would have had an extra couple of days all right maybe not in terms of training but certainly in being able to see you know he's, he's now seen what they can do in a you know in a game situation firsthand as opposed to kind of looking at what, what he's seen on on video clips so it's gonna be interesting to see if he makes any changes to to the side that, that went out I mean he made eight changes from the side Played in the previous game under the caretaker manager, so he's not afraid to to, to mix things up clearly. Um, yeah, you know we've played a lot better against Watford as I've already mentioned. So we're going into this game desperate of a win. Um, I've kind of said that out of these next you know next three games, we probably needed you know five points as a minimum, which is you know a win and two draws ideally. Obviously, we've we've been beat now, so. Kind of need to pick up two wins if we're going to do do anything. His next game is Rotherham, by the way. So we've had you know we've had uh, Huddersfield, then we've had Watford, then we've had, then we've got yourselves, and then we've got Rotherham. So four games 
teams, you know, down there near the bottom, which, you know, desperate to, if we're going to stay up this season, we need to pick points up from. Look, if Cisco was in charge, it was going to be a, a, an automatic defeat. I don't, I couldn't see anything else happening. Um, it's a bit different now, obviously, with, with Danny Rail in charge and, yeah, there's a there's an air of optimism. I don't think people are going to think going to come and, and turn you over three or four nil, um, but you know if we can come out of that with something, like I said, if we if we beat Watford, I'd be happy with a point. But it really means we're going down there and picking up his first win of the season. If I'm being perfectly honest, yeah, it's one of those for you, isn't it? That I, I, if you lose this one, do you feel that's it? Do you feel like you just enjoy what's left of the championship and and look to rebuild from January, or is it? Is it still far too early to be thinking like that? Well, mathematically, it's far too early. But I think when you look at it, you know, we'll then be, you know, a minimum of probably 10 points adrift of safety after just, what, 13 games of the season. Now, yeah, it doesn't look great. You know, that'd be 13 games, no wins, um, which is a bit of a disaster, really. I mean, I think we actually, we've equaled the record for the worst start to the to any championship season. Um or I think we've equaled the, the the longest run without a win. I think we had, it was actually us that had that record back in 2012, 2013. I think we picked up more points than three, though, on that occasion. We did actually stay up that year. So there is a small glimmer of hope. And a little bit like what you said on our pod, we only have to be better than three teams. And that is the aim at, at the moment. You know, the aim is to finish 21st. And if we finish 21st from the situation that we're in, it would be an absolute miracle. You hold on to hope. You look at Nottingham Forest. Uh, you look at the likes of Luton. I mean, you also look last season, I think um, I think Reading, all right, I know they had the points deduction, but Reading and Wigan at this point last season um, were, I think Reading were in the top six, I think they was. Um, they went on in the next, you know, what is it, 20-odd games of the season or 30-odd games of the season. They went on to pick up, I think, four wins in those next 30 games. So, it does happen. Teams can, you know, just because a team's up there so far, don't mean they're going to finish there. So that we we are clinging on to that. But it, yeah, a defeat on Wednesday, and there'd be more and more people thinking that's just rebuild for for next season. It might work on it. It might work better for us. You know, um, <laughs> we might end up picking points up with that pressure being off. But yeah, it won't look great. Do you do you feel personally now that though you've got the right manager and a few tweaks in? Andrew, do you feel like you could, you know, get out of this? Or what? what's your personal opinion? Are you like, are you worried? Do you know what? Everything that the manager's saying in, so far is 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 positive and it's kind of, he's saying the right things. It's what you want to hear. Obviously, the proof is is in what happens on the pitch, um, which then you look back and you think it's the same players that, that, that Cisco had. Not only that, he, he's kind of, it's the players that Cisco has brought in for his style of play, whatever that was, because I'm still <laughs> kind of baffled to, no to what he was, was actually trying. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still them same players that you're trying to do that with. On the flip side of that, there's still a lot of players that were there last season when we we did the miracles at you know at Hillsborough and then at, at Wembley. So, yeah, it, it's just whether he can get a tune out of them. I mean, look, I know these are only just pictures but there were some pictures from training uh, in the week and you saw 110% determination and effort from the players now you'd like to see that anyway in any sort of training session but it was you know um, it was quite key and I'm, I'm sure they're trying to impress Danny Rill and and you know like I said bringing in um, bringing in Chris Powell who's a 
English manager. Obviously, Danny Rail is German. He's brought in another German, then a, a Swedish, um, a Swedish coach as well. Who, who again was a manager in his previous job before he came to Sheffield Wednesday. So he's bringing in the right people that you'd like to think can, you know can can get a tune out of him. It's just yeah. If I if I was a betting man, I would say they would still do it and 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 survive this season. Uh, I don't think the squad is as bad as what it what it's showing. I think it's just a severe lack of confidence. Um, and and yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll see after Wednesday night, shall we? Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's, you're on that course. Just you just need those like game by game improvements. You've got the positive uh, mental attitude now. You've got the you know quote-unquote right man for the job in and, you know, uh, should those building blocks fall into place and, you know, you could have a phenomenal sort of second half of the season and, and create some sort of great escape that I'm sure Chan Suri would put on DVD and sell in the club shop for a tenner a pop. Um, which... A tenner? That, that, that'd be a turn-up for books. It'd be, judging by anything else, it'd be about 40 or 50 quid, I would have thought. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure you would pay it to watch... Uh, a wonderful uh, reel of highlights. Uh, last question then, how, how do you see Wednesday night going in, in terms of a score prediction? Obviously, you, you've mentioned that you, you've only bagged five this season, so you, are, you, are you predicting yourselves to match that? Yeah, we've scored five goals. Um, two of them were in one game as well, by the way. So I think it's eight games that we've failed to score in so far this season, which is, yeah, which is quite the effort, to be honest. Um, do, you know, do you know what? I mean, can I, can I have two? Because I'm going to go in my head and my heart. Yeah, um, yeah sure. my, my heart is saying that we're going to win one game at some point this season. I'm probably going to say, you know, we'll probably you know win two or three one. I would I would think uh, that's what I'm hoping to happen. I think my head is saying that you know um, it's still new. I think he'll make quite a few changes. At, you know, given what he's seen at the weekend and. We'll will score, but it's probably going to finish one one. I would think. Yeah. Okay. I, I would. I'd be hoping. I can't, I can't come on and I can't come on and say that we're going to get beat again. I can't. No. I can't keep doing that. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Pleasure for jumping on, James. Appreciate that. Thank you. No problem, Aaron. Any any time. All best for the rest of the season, apart from say, Wednesday. As we and as we say. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, but not on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Nice. Cool. Cheers, James. No problem. Cheers, Aaron. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Should we preview Wednesday? Wednesday sees Argyle face off against the Wednesday of Sheffield who remain winless after 12 games. Um, how do you see this one going, Sam? Logically, everything about it said we should win. Our home form has been better than our away form for a very long time. They are looking considerably the worst team in the league. And we're, and yeah, I, I think we're just a better team than them. So logically, everything says we should win. I'm a little nervous, sort of, sort of on the reverse of what I said about Ipswich, in that Ipswich must give you a loss, Wednesday must give you a win. It can't be often in late October... Our next two games are against the winless team and against a undefeated team. No, not undefeated, but um, undefeated at home at least. So and and both really, and both those teams are the teams that came up with us last season. And both those teams are the teams that came up with us. Yeah, it's, it's very rare that that scenario happens. So I kind of I, I'm almost a little bit nervous about the Wednesday game, almost for the same reason I'm 
bizarrely confident about the Ipswich game, as you'd have heard if you listened to our previous spot a few days ago, obviously. Um, <laughs> which definitely was not recorded tonight. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I, I just think it could be a frustrating one. They've got a new manager in. They, they lost narrowly at Watford yesterday. Um, they still lost, admittedly, but I just think they might be showing a few signs of upturn. Um, we might find it a bit of a frustrating one. I don't know. I've got the funny feeling in my stomach of a 1-1 draw. Logically, we are the better team. We should win. But if logically the, the correct outcome happened at all times, then then it would be a very boring season and a very boring game. So I don't know about that. I think we're the better team, but I think it could be a frustrating one. I've got the inverse of Sam's vibes-based prediction that we'll win it. It's switch about this, which is I just have a, a vibes-based feeling that we will lose 1-0 in the most infuriating circumstances ever as they get a belated new manager bounce um uh, yeah after after um sacking Cisco Munoz um but yes that's just based on on vibes so we should probably try and offer something more than that on the pod um yeah I mean you know we should beat them uh and it would not just it wouldn't surprise me for the reasons I've just laid out to see us have a really frustrating evening wouldn't surprise me if we take out, you know, four winless games of frustration on them and absolutely slaughter them like we did Norwich. I mean, clearly they're a much less good side than than Norwich um are. So um yeah, I, I think I think the key to this will be getting on the front foot early, trying to get an early goal. If we do that, obviously they'll have you know any any hope. I don't know exactly how they're gonna set up because it's very early days under under their new manager. Um but yes, any hope that they might possibly have of sitting in and doing a disciplined job on us and, and nicking a goal on the break um, kind of goes out the window. If we can, if we can do to them what several teams have done to us in our away games this season, um, especially, especially given we're playing a team that, that logically should be very low on confidence. Yeah. I think if we can get that early goal and, and just make sure it's not another Millwall, right. Where we look really, really good for 45 minutes, but can't penetrate and then um, just get done on the, on, uh, you know, but, but by a mistake and then a, a goal that shouldn't stand. Um, yeah, if we can avoid a scenario like that, get on the front foot early, get those that early goal or two, um, yeah, and hopefully give everyone as, as stress free a night as as is possible at this level. That would be um, that would be very nice. Football is rarely so straightforward, but sometimes it is. And and yeah, our performances, as anyone who listened to the previous pod, which was definitely not taped immediately before this one, as Sam said, will will know. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, um, I I said then that we. Performances have generally been better than results for us this season, and probably that will start to change at some point. And yeah, this is a, a great candidate to be just that game. You mentioned him there, John. Have you got any strong feelings about Danny Roll yet? Surely you hate him. Why? It sounds very prejudicial. Um, no, no. I um, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a really bizarre appointment. Uh, to be honest, and obviously that club is a total shambles at the moment, as I'm sure um your conversations that will have happened this point with. Sheffield Wednesday fans for this pod will well I imagine that this that's what they'll say um yeah they are um they they are horribly run by Dejpon Chansiri clearly an enormous amount of fan ill will toward him um after coming up last season you know under Darren Moore and getting what 96 points I mean a, a, a total that would win the league pretty much any season but last season when Arsenal Ipswich managed to do better and then having that extraordinary come from behind playoff semi-final win against Peterborough 
that very last gas playoff final win against Barnsley. Um, this sort of, you know, it's an extraordinary season. I'm sure will live long in the fans' memory, but the vibes there just didn't ever really seem to be that good, certainly compared to, to the vibes at Home Park, uh, where we were just loving having such a great season against expectations. It seemed to be very nervy, very stressed. Um, you know, if anything went wrong ever, the fans would, would seemingly, or a lot of the fans would seemingly turn on, on more and the players on social media. I think, could be misremembering, but I think there were at least one occasion where you know the, the classic video of the fans having it out with one of the players after a frustrating away game circulates on social media. If I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, so yeah, um, I think we verbally having it out, I should say, I don't think any punches were thrown. Um, so, well, so just yeah, to um, interject on that one point very quickly, John. After the after that four 0 Barry Bannon used his Sky post match interview to basically have a pop at the fans. And just could you could you imagine if Argyle had had a win like that for there to be any discord in club and fans? It was just a re- remarkable moment I found really. But carry on back to your yeah. Point. So yeah, so so things are not good there. Um, and they appointed Cisco Munoz in the summer, who of course previously took Watford up. One of the many 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 managers who have taken Watford up from the Championship to the Premier League and then been sacked very quickly. Um, he, uh, yeah, was flagged as a bad appointment by a lot of the lower league punditocracy, um, which turned out to be absolutely correct because they were awful and he got fired. So you think after that, you'd be looking for someone to come in and steady the ship. Uh, Neil Warnock was linked, which I always thought was a bit of an unlikely one, given his very close ties to Sheffield United. But apparently there was something in it. And then in the end, they've gone for someone who's never, I believe, has never managed a game of professional football uh, but has an impressive coaching pedigree so before Sam as this is exactly the type of manager that he, he loves uh, jumps in to defend the appointment I'll just say I think it's a bizarre one when yeah I don't know if, if we had had the start they have had and looked so bad and was so discordant and really needed someone to come in and do a kind of backs to the wall job both in a kind of public relations sense with the fans but also on the pitch I think it's a huge huge risk to appoint somebody with, with no experience now again not to say that that's a prediction. They he could turn out to be a really good, you know, the next Guardiola. Um, for all we know, I think that was a point that was made on on the not the top twenty podcast the other week. But yeah, like I think as they said on that podcast when they were talking about him, that's that's not a guarantee. And 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 also I would add that even even a manager who could conceivably go on to great things could struggle to keep this Sheffield Wednesday team up because everything around the the club is seems so toxic at the moment and the team seems so bad. So, um, yes, saying all this full and fully in the knowledge that he will have a new manager bounce and they'll beat us 1-0. But um, I think over the course of the season, it's way more likely to prove to be a bad appointment than, than a good one. I think that's a very valid point. I would also say that... Um, what was I going to say? It's gone completely out of my mind. Um, yeah, I was gonna, yeah, obviously, if he does, he may, he may well become a very good um, manager long-term, but like you say, it seems not a point. What I was going to say, which I forgot that I've now remembered, is that I think it could possibly be motivated by one of, one of two things. One being, obviously, Chancery wanting to sell the club. He made that very public, didn't he, in his um, rather petulant statement that he put out the other week, saying he wanted to get rid of the club and he wasn't funding them anymore. Um, he said that... Um, he wasn't going to put his money in the cover their losses. So I think you could be going for the cheap option to some extent. The other, maybe more charitable option, is that they're going for somebody who can rebuild and get them out of League One next season and get them back up uh, under a new ownership. That's possibly what it could be as well. Right, they're almost throwing the towel in and saying, look, we're probably not going to stay up under this guy. If we do, it's a nice bonus, but we're planning for the long term, planning on someone who can build a long term club structure and a long term club culture. And, and make a successful club under new ownership. And you know what? If that is their strategy, maybe, maybe that will pay off. But 
it's not the appointment I would go for if I were looking for someone just to shake a club up and it backs to the wall and get a team to stay up. We could both look like absolute muppets here because maybe he will go on a fantastic run of form and I will keep them up and they'll be in the championship next season. And if they do, then mm. then I'll certainly eat humble pie. But it seems not an appointment. You can only, you can only really judge based on what's in front of you at a given time, right? I, I, and I don't yeah. think there's really... I just don't think there's a very much likelihood that Chan Siri, who has burned all his bridges with the fans and said he wants out and is not going to put any money into the club, is is suddenly, you know, this kind of long-term thinking, sensible, you know, savant. Well, I suppose my, to yeah, so, so sorry, my, my, my slight rationale, yeah, my slight rationale behind that is that maybe it was appointed by some kind of internal executive other than him who, who will be there in the long run, like a chief executive or a managing director type figure, possibly, is what I was thinking. Also, I also don't. I also personally don't like that thinking. I think certainly so early in the season. If you're appointing for next season, you know, I mean, they're not they're not dead and buried. It's only been a quarter of the season gone. I mean, they look very very bad and they haven't won yet. But you know, they could go on a run of, you know, yeah, who knows? Um, anything can happen, right? So, and it, it always reminds me of that season. Uh, in the, I think the derby season in the Premier League when they basically seemed to accept that they were relegated in like October. Uh, and and yeah, they were in a very bad position, but um. Seemingly appointed, I think it was Paul Jewell, if I remember correctly, to take over yeah. uh, the following season. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, then and you know, writing off that season clearly didn't work because they, you know, lost a ton of games, ended up with an embarrassingly low points total, and I think went into the next season actually in, in quite poor form. I, I just think, yeah, I think Sam has said many times on this podcast, winning is a habit, right? And I, I don't, I don't like the strategy of building long term. So we get, we're, we're sort of spitballing here. I don't know if this is what they're doing with this guy, but if it is, I don't think it. Even then, I don't think it. It makes for a particularly inspiring appointment. And in the short term, uh, I think yeah, that the, they they really need something that's going to turn them around. And and someone with a proven record of being able to do that at this level would have been a much better hire. I also disagree that uh, Daddy Roll will make us look like muppets. I feel like we do a very good job of that ourselves. Um, but yeah, as you as you mentioned it there, uh, Sheffield Wednesday now officially have had the worst start in Championship history after twelve league games, following their one nil loss at Watford on Saturday. They've drawn three and lost nine. Um, I'm sure it's pretty crucial that we don't hand them any favours on Wednesday. Um, are you making any changes for this one, Sam? There's a lot of um, I say a lot. There's a bit of a clamour for Bundu to start. I know yeah, we've I'm covered this, but. I'm on. not quite feeling the Bundu love at the moment like some people are. I think he's he has shown some games where he's been a decent impact sub. I think in the game at um um I was gonna say yesterday, but it's not yesterday for the listeners. So uh, yeah, in, in the in the game yesterday of the time of recording, um I think he showed some promising moments up at West Rom. He he looked lively. Um in terms of running forward with the ball. I just think in a lot of the games, like the Millwall game, the Swansea game, even, even the Hull game, he's been brought on with the aim of being a game changer and hasn't really done that. Um, he, you know, he, he had a good assist at Norwich when we were already 5-2 up, at home to Norwich, I should say. I just think at the moment, he, he's not really penetrating teams enough. And I know that I think that's, as I alluded to in, in the West Brom review pod, that's partly a consequence of the way the team's set up but I just think that Hardy if, if you're backing someone to produce a moment of magic out of nowhere it's Hardy over Bundu every day of the week I think Bundu is is a bit erratic not saying he's without merit but 
when you come off the bench in those kind of games, what Stephen Schumacher is going to be saying is, you need to go out there and put an advertisement for yourself. You need to sell your ability to me and you need to show me why I should be starting you. I don't think Bundu's done that yet. Um, I certainly think he's, he's done it more than Ben Wayne, but without wanting to do horrible, I don't think that's the highest bar to clear, in all truth. I think Ben Wayne is, is a player who's not particularly championship-ready at the moment. Um, as Aaron furiously gesticulates to his um, Ben Wayne shirt that's framed on his bedroom wall in the background, not that the listeners can see. No, that's, that's not being horrible to Ben Wayne. I, just, I think he, 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 he's a young player. I just don't think he's quite ready for the championship. But So yeah, I'm veering off my main point here. Um, Bundu has shown more than Wayne off the bench. Hasn't shown enough to justify a start, not for me. I take the point of rotation. I take the point that we don't want to burn Hardy out, but it is still very soon after the international break. It's a game where we want to have our, our best players in to win. So I would not bring in Bundu for Hardy, I'm afraid to say. I would keep Hardy going uh, as he is. I would, as I've done, will come as no surprise to any of you who've heard me on the podcast before, I would change back to a 3 4 3. I would go, um, I would go Mumba left wing back. And I would probably drop Mikel Miller, even though he had his best game in an Argyle shirt at West Brom with his injuries. Is he the type of player who's going to play back-to-back games in midweek? I, I don't think he is. So I think you bring in, I think you bring Mumba to wing back. I think you bring in Plegafuelu to go into the back three and you just have, and possibly you bring in Edwards to Kessler Hayden again, just for a bit more rotation. So I think you probably make two changes, Edwards and Plegafuelu in, Kessler Hayden and Miller out. I'd be very tempted to, to do exactly what Sam said with the possibility that I would keep Kessler Hayden uh, in the side. Um, and I would also do the formation change personally. Um, yeah, I think I think I, I'm, a, I'm a bit less of a formation uh, zealot than some others. I think we've had good performances in a variety of formations this season. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily as defining a factor in our results as some people seem to think. But that also means I don't think that we should... Um, throw out that formation um, because we we lost at home to Swansea, where they obviously Sheffield Wednesday is a, dif- a different a different type of game against a team um, very low on confidence and seemingly very low on quality. And, and yeah, we, we have you know I think that formation could could well be um, more of a, a Norwich situation in this game than a than a Swansea one. Um, so, yes, right. So I think I would do that. I, I actually do like Bundu um, personally. I think he's shown a lot coming off the bench so far for relatively brief cameos, and that Sam being a little bit harsh on him. Um, and I would like to see him start a game at some point, whether that's in behind the striker or as the striker. Uh, I think that those are both options. Um, I think he'll get his chance. But I, th- I just think for me, the most important thing here is whatever we do rotation-wise. And again, you know, that there are absolutely defensible rotations we could make. Could well be that, the, the, you know, and, and also just to say, I'm not, I'm obviously not inside the club, so I don't, I'm not able to gauge how people's fitness is after after a really grueling game on Saturday. But um, you know, for example, if Finazaz is is completely wiped out uh, as he looked at the end of the game, bringing Kundal in would obviously be a, a great piece of rotation to be able to do. That being said, um, one thing that is is a factor here that we haven't had so far this season, I believe, is that this is a Wednesday night game following a Saturday game rather than a Tuesday night game. That there is a whole other you know extra day in there for for player recovery. Um, and I think that the, just the one red line for me is we really cannot do what we did against against Bristol City. We we cannot go, um, you know, this is sort of a, 
a game against a, a well, I'm not saying we thought Bristol City were a weaker team necessarily, um, but but certainly for this one, we can't we, we shouldn't have a complacent attitude where we're like this team already basically in League One. This is an opportunity to give Wayne some minutes, Tyreek Wright some minutes. Um, I, I'm not saying we were we were thinking that way before Bristol City, you know, in terms of just giving players minutes out of charity, but that wholesale mass rotation, particularly at the top end of the pitch, simply did not work. And I think the stakes on Wednesday, while listeners to the previous pod, which again was not recorded on the same evening as this one, uh, will we'll, we'll remember, um, I, I am not very much not thinking that this is sort of a do or die end of the season. And I think we could have some difficult results in the coming weeks before a much kinder run of games. But this is one game that on paper is a huge exception to a very difficult run that we're finding ourselves in this month and, and early next. So, um, yeah, I think we we need to... I'm not saying it's a six-pointer, but it's a huge opportunity to get three points. And I think we should just pick whatever our best team is that's available when you know, issues of fitness and whatever that are a bit inscrutable to us, certainly at this point, um, are ironed out. I, I would not, I just would not mess around with it too, too much. Um, there'll be opportunities for rotation further down the line. I think this is a game we need to go out with our best team, give it our all and, and try and get what would be. Oh, you just muted yourself before you finished there, John. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I thought I finished. No, no. But anyway, doesn't matter. We understand the premise. Um, Sam, you might know actually, because you're like that. When was the last time Schumacher named a starting eleven that was exactly the same as the previous game? I don't know that actually. Well, it doesn't happen, does it? I- I'll be surprised. I I think uh, well, I think for league games was the team that started at Watford the same team as the team that beat Huddersfield. I know we did have the Orient Cup game in nope. between. Saxon no? early. At the very minimum. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I don't think... The only other one I can think it might be was the the, the, the team that beat Burton in the promotion game was, I think, the same team that beat Bristol Rovers the Tuesday night before. I think that's the only other one I can think of that it might have been. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. I think it was, yeah. Just fact-checking this, but you guys carry on. I will carry on, but I think there's a, an awful lot left to speak about if everybody's listened to both pods um, and not just the one. I think it's all pretty much covered. Um, I suppose all that's left is score prediction, Sam. What are you thinking? 1-1. One, one. One, one. Yeah. yeah, there is something. If I don't, obviously don't want to speak on their behalf, and I'm sure I'll ask these, them this, and the listeners would have heard this already. This game for them, if they lose that, are you considering them done? They're down. Not done. Um, not done because it is still not even a third of the way through the season. So I wouldn't say done. But as I said in the previous pod, I think they are very strong favourites to go down. I think at the moment they're a team who, if you're looking at and judging it on probabilities, I always speak with football when I've done the podcast before, people don't use the language of probabilities enough. People think, oh, this is dead set or this is definitely going to happen. But I think in reality even if there's a 10% chance of something happening, 10% chances come up all the time. You know, you wouldn't go onto a plane and have a 10% chance of crashing, would you? So 10% chances do do come up. So I think they are strong favourites to go down. If they lose on Wednesday night, they will become probably very strong favourites to go down. But you never know. They could have a great escape because football is a weird game and weird things happen. All right, Nate, Nate Silver over there. Just quickly... I promise to interject. Sam is correct as far as I can see that the team from 
Bristol Rovers then started against Burton, the exact same eleven uh, at the back end of last season, which must be the last time that we that we did that. Yeah, because uh, Houghton yeah. came in for Port Vale, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to come back to that question, no, they're absolutely not done. I, I don't. I don't think that this is a particularly important game for them any more so than every game is important for them, right? I mean, they they will be desperate to get that first win, however and wherever it comes. But as listeners to the previous pod will know, I don't think we are the fourth worst side in this league. I don't think we're a side that absolutely has to pen in right. We'll definitely be right down there. You know, like, I don't, again, I don't think it's a six-pointer point, for us, but I think it's much more of a six-pointer for us than it is for them compared to other fixtures around this time. For them, I'd be looking at it as an away game against a side that have an incredibly good home record, are very, very good going forward, and it's going to be a really tough game. You know, if you're them, I think you're probably looking at other fixtures at home against teams that are a bit stodgier maybe as being more likely to to get something than against us, which, again, is not to say that they won't, but... Yeah, I'm assuming that their fans are really thinking that every single game is a, a huge one at the moment. They just need to get that first win. Whereas we're looking at this more through the lens of this looks like a very winnable game when we've got a lot of very difficult games either side of it. So um, I don't think, I absolutely don't think this is sort of do or die for them. It's far, far too early for that. But um, yeah, as Sam says, the probability is, is skewed much more towards they're going to find it very difficult to recover from the bad start they've had than uh, than anything else. Yeah, we've already heard Sam's 1-1 score prediction. What are you going for, John? Like I said at the beginning, the vibes of a 1-0 loss are very, very strong for me, unfortunately. But uh, I'm going to use my hair off to go with vibes and say that um, say that, say that we'll win the game pretty comfortably 3-1. 3-1. Well, I was thinking 3-1, so I'll go, I'll go 1-0. Why not? 1-0, Mustafa Bundu, just... Uh, As listeners to the previous pod will know, we don't win 1-0. No, but we will on Wednesday. Wednesday on a Wednesday. Um, and let's hope that Daddy is not on a roll. Oh, but how about this? Michael Cooper to save a last minute Josh Windass penalty and a victory for Karma. Um, unless there's anything else to add, I think we'll call that a night. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. No worries. Thank you both. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. That's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Before you go, please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using and make sure you follow us on Twitter at ArgoLife1886. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.